Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. This morning, we continue our summer sermon series with Psalm 146. So I invite you, if you have your Bible with you, to turn there to Psalm 146, or you can follow along on the screen. Hear now God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan, the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is indeed the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. I am Pastor Corey, one of the associates here at Orange, and we are so glad that God has called you to this place this morning. Whether, as we've said, you're worshiping online with us or in person, it is good to be together. And before we do shift into our final sermon of our summer sermon series, Songs of Summer, I would just like to take a moment of personal privilege and express my deepest gratitude. You all were supposed to sprinkle us last Sunday as we anticipate the very imminent arrival of our second baby, Uh, but you did not sprinkle us. You flooded us with your love, your well wishes, and your gifts, and we are so, so grateful. My husband, again. Myself and our almost four-year-old Ephraim know how blessed we are to be part of such a beautiful community of people, and we don't take it for granted. Um, I know you've heard the saying, love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life, and that's how I feel every day I get to come to this place. Some days are hard. Some days are messy. Some days you cry in your office praying for God to be present, but every day is somehow made beautiful by God's redemptive spirit. Last Sunday was particularly beautiful, one we will not easily or quickly forget. So we just want to say thank you for loving us so well, and we hope to return that love to you all every moment God enables us to be a part of this community. So really, really thank you. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, joy does continue this morning as we have had the opportunity to participate in the baptism of Savannah Lewis. And after the sermon, we'll have another opportunity to participate in communion and to witness God's presence 
to participate in that invitation of grace. It's always a humbling experience to participate in the sacraments of the church, baptism, and communion, and especially when you get to do both of those on the very same Sunday. And next week, we'll celebrate confirmation, as Pastor Brad mentioned, with several of our youth, and we'll also get to celebrate some baptisms on that day. And so it's an exciting time in the life of our community, an exciting time. We're going to kick off next week for our fall season and lean into the ways that God is calling us to serve and love together. And I mentioned our participation in baptism and communion and confirmation because all of those acts, those rituals, those liturgies we will speak, those physical movements we take, they are actively, actively reflective of our belief, our trust that God is at work among us and that God is indeed worthy of our trust. We believe that when we witness a baptism, God is claiming that infant, that child, that adult as beloved, as a new creation, as God's own child and as a part of Christ's family. We believe when we receive communion that God is present, that God's grace is made known to us in the simple elements of bread and juice. And we believe when we witness confirmation that professing one's faith for oneself, it crosses a threshold. It marks a moment of transformation that publicly announces, I believe God is who God says God is. I believe God is worthy of our praise, and more importantly, I believe God is worthy of my and our collective trust. It's in all of these acts that God's love is poured out and we respond to that love. All of these public and active declarations reflect that God is worthy of our trust. So the psalmist this morning in Psalm 146 also believes that God is worthy of our trust, of our hope and belief. And because God is worthy of our trust, God is worthy of our praise. We talked about a posture of praise and thanksgiving as a lifestyle a few Sundays ago when we looked at Psalm 111. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, I encourage you to go back. But this morning, we want to think about why God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. And that is because, according to the psalmist, God is trustworthy. The psalmist tells us why God is trustworthy. So that's where we're going to live this morning. Why is God trustworthy and what does that mean for our lives? Because it matters for our lives. We show up in this place because we have a trust in God, that God's going to move and maybe even change us. So the psalmist this morning implores us first not to trust in princes or mortals, human beings, but instead to place our whole trust in God and the God of Jacob. And the psalmist tells us we can do this because of God's track record. God's trustiness doesn't waver. The world's does. Princes and mortals, their trust wavers. And trust has become such a strange concept in our culture, especially as the dissemination of information has become flooding. Almost anyone can share almost any information to an enormous audience because of the phenomenon that is technology and specifically the internet. And we look back on history and we think like things like illiteracy or inaccessibility to information, it funneled authority and trust to very narrow places. 
I mean, think back to when the Bible was only read in Latin and Greek. Languages reserved for the clergy and for scholars. You and me, there were no female clergy then. We didn't have the ability to access information to refute or challenge authority the way things were presented. Trust was required. It was demanded by institutions and powers. And we know that ultimately mistrust of authority of those princes and mortals led to countless revolutions and reformations that history applauds and celebrates. If we jump forward to the 20th century and we think about the invention of the television, for the last 100 years, for a majority of those years, there were two, maybe three news sources. We were limited to placing our trust into the Walter Cronkites of the world. No criticism of Walter. And yet, the questioning or mistrust based upon potential bias or agendas push for more voices at the table. More perspectives that would more fully be reflective of the truth. And so many of us, again, would applaud and celebrate that more voices, rather than a narrow few, do more accurately reflect the tapestry of humanity. Mistrust of princes or mortals It fuels change, and it demands accountability. And yet, our lives cannot function without some level of trust in humanity, right? I mean, for the most part, we trust people. We trust our caretakers. We trust our teachers. We trust our pastors. We trust our law enforcement. We trust our doctors. We trust our institutions. We trust, yes, even politicians. We trust each other. We trust each other until we don't, until there is a betrayal or a breach of trust, until we find out a politician is misusing campaign funds, or until we discover an institution has been covering up abuse and protecting perpetrators for decades. We trust journalists until we discover they made up all the facts. We trust one another until we realize that ultimately, Again, to quote the psalmist, we're dust. That when our spirits depart, we return to the ground and all our plans come to nothing. Now, our lives wouldn't function if we were to forfeit all trust in one another. That's just not practical. We have to trust in systems and in people, and to the best of our ability, we trust that doctors and nurses are going to do everything they can to heal our bodies. We trust that most folks are going to follow the speed limit, and if they don't, there'll be repercussions. We trust that sending our kids to school will contribute to their thriving and growth. Yeah, we have a ton of trust issues. (laughs) We have so many trust issues. We spend so much time discerning who and what we can trust based on endless factors, our experiences, our geography, our culture, our education, our economic background, our faith background, the source of information. We are constantly considering who, what do we trust? And who we trust and what we trust has serious consequences for our lives. It does. We see it so evidently right now. I mean, it's everywhere. I trust science. I don't trust science. I trust authority. I don't trust any authority. I trust this news source. I would never listen to that news source. Trust is terrifying, and it, its lack thereof or its presence is tearing 
us apart. So who, what do we trust? A question that many of us are struggling with and we see, look around us and we see that the people we love are struggling with the same question. And we hold that question as we arrive at the psalmist's words. The psalm of praise begins, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I'll praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirits depart, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. Instead, put your trust in the one who saves this God of Jacob. And I think for many of us, we read this and we can think about it as an eternal trust. That ultimately, we can trust God above and beyond the brokenness of the world to restore and redeem us once our time on this earth is complete. And we can trust God to bring us to that eternal rest, to that eternal hope. But I believe eternity is not the only place we can trust the character of God to guide us. That we can trust the character and the work of God to lead us right now in this life and to reveal to us who and what we can trust in this life, in this very moment. Because the psalmist then begins to describe why the God of Jacob is trustworthy. He says, this one who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, who sets the prisoners free, who opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. The Lord upholds the widow and orphans. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The one who does all these things is the one who is trustworthy. And this God isn't abstract. This God isn't sitting on a cloud playing puppets on strings. This God of Jacob humbled himself into a human and descended to earth in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The very God who created us became one like us to model what a life that is to be trusted looks like. And the life Jesus modeled can be trusted. It is a life lived in service and love of the other. A life lived in service and love for the other. I think that is the true litmus test of trust. Is this person, this institution, this action, this community rooted in love for the other? Does this action, institution, or person reflect God's own trustworthiness? Does it execute justice for the oppressed? Those whose voices have been silenced, those who've been denied positions of power. Does this action or institution or person give food to the hungry? Quite literally, but also figuratively, feeding those hungry for justice and righteousness and opportunity. Does this action or institution or person set prisoners free? Those held captive by sin and systematic oppression? 
Does this action or institution or person seek to open the eyes of the blind? Again, literally and figuratively, does this person, institution, or power seek to heal rather than harm? And does this action or institution or person lift up those who are are bowed down or love the righteous or watch over the strangers, the ones we don't even know? Does this person, action, or institution uphold the orphan and the widow, those who cannot support or advocate for themselves? All of these characteristics reflect why God is trustworthy. And all are modeled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. All of these actions reflect a life lived not for oneself, but for the benefit and the thriving of the other. We even witness Jesus' own mistrust of authority, both religious and political, who valued self-righteousness over caring for the least of these. And you may think, Pastor Corey, that's too simple because all of these questions can be answered about the same person or the same institution or the same uh, action differently by different people. And you would be right. (laughs) They can be. But our liturgy, our calling, this psalm, it's not professed in isolation. We hold one another accountable to what we see around us. And at our best, we ourselves are rooted in Scripture in that same deep desire to, like Jesus, love and serve one another. We have to assess our own motivations and what shapes our own mistrust or trust. And hopefully, prayerfully, we'll be so moved by Jesus's example of a life lived in endless, unwavering, unconditional, sacrificial, unselfish, and liberating love. That's what Jesus's life is rooted in, that we might be so moved by that, that we wouldn't be too proud or too timid to recognize what and who is truly deserving of our trust. The one who reflects the image of a trusted God. One who executes justice for the oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. Who sets the prisoners free. Who opens the eyes of the blind. Who lifts up those who are bowed down. Who loves righteousness. Who watches over the stranger. Who upholds the orphan and the widow. Church. May we trust wholly the one who models this way of life as our guide, our savior, our eternal and immediate redeemer. May we hold one another accountable to entrust those who embody these same ideals. And may we ourselves model God's trustworthiness in our own selfless, love-driven living. Let us pray. Lord God, you are our trusted provider. We worship you as the one who meets our needs, who grants our daily bread, who restores our humanity. We worship you as the God who knows human need from experience, who knows want, thirst, and even humiliation. And we worship you as your people. In a world where wealth is mixed with poverty, where we have all we need, but we don't know how to share. Where want and hunger and thirst and humiliation are hidden from those with the power to offer challenge and bring change. 
where trust and mistrust of powers, authority, and one another seeks to unravel us. So open our eyes to your truth. Not only that we learn sad facts about the world, but open the eyes of our heart that we may feel our place in this world as your people. Where there is need, teach us to learn where our wealth lies and help us to give. Where there is injustice, teach us to learn the causes and help us to fight. Where there is brokenness, teach us to learn our own brokenness and help us to bring wholeness. Help us to look to you that we neither remain ignorant of the world nor lose ourselves in despair at its brokenness. Show us how to trust you, how to worship you, the crucified God, the risen God, the God who provides. Help us to carry your cross to accept your gift of new life and to bring that gift to others. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.